welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Chris Chavin. For I am the second host of the show, Caleb Shively. Hi, and how are you? Caleb, I'm doing so well. It feels like it's been forever since we have done this show. Does it not feel like it's been a hundred years since we did an episode of the show? Uh, you know, uh, yes, and I'm glad we have a respite to do this show. It, we aged in the two weeks we've done this. Uh, so much has gone on in the world. Even just tonight, just reading the news, I was like, fucking hell, there's so much going on. It's anger and I mean, Caleb, I read the news today. I, I read the news mm-hmm. today? Oh, boy. <laughs> um, every week on Actually Best Choice Movies, we talk about two movies. One of them is old. One of them is new. And they're related in some way, like uh, like a, a human and their beloved beast. <laughs> like, uh, would, would you say, Caleb, is, is this accurate? Am I describing the show the correctly? The show is... Uh, common themes amongst movies that are good in the sense that good that you've heard of it and you know there's always something to explore even in bad movies there's some good uh, but this week we have a very common easy theme in that it's the same director the great uh, Kelly Reichardt which I'm very excited to talk about uh, and without even thinking about it uh, both her movies involve animals we didn't realize it until an hour before the podcast started like oh yeah yeah they both have animals right. <laughs> And so, yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about is uh, two Kelly Reichardt movies. It's uh, First Cow from this year, uh, 2019, 2020, and her 2008 movie, Wendy and Lucy. Uh, and then a little bit about animals in movies. Uh, that's all this week on Actually, Best Choice. Movies. Movies. Uh, but before we get to any of that, like I said, this week it's... Two movies by Kelly Reichardt, uh, Wendy and Lucy, and First Cow, and they both prominently feature a person's relationship with their animal. So we just wanted to talk a little bit at the top of the show about this and about Kelly Reichardt. Uh, Isn't that right, Caleb, who did more research than me? Oh, uh, (laughs) I just took it upon myself to, you know, really get into Kelly Reichardt again. Kelly Reichardt, a director I thoroughly love. All her movies stick with me, so I've never felt uh, uh, obligation to see see their movies twice. Um, And then, you know, I also noticed that a lot of them were on Criterion and leaving at the end of August, which it is now uh, September 3rd. So I took it upon myself to rewatch a couple of other Kelly Record movies, too. I rewatched Old Joy and Certain Women, as well as these two movies. All the things I remember stuck out with her. But, you know, she's just such a uh, way I describe, if I could describe Kelly Record, one word is observational. Uh, if I use two words, the other one is portraitist. Uh, she's a very visual director. Uh, and her things are very slow moving in the sense that it's not, an, it's kind of an acquired taste in that regards, uh, the purveyors of slow cinema. But, you know, there's absolutely a purpose behind her pacing and uh, the way she shoots. It's more of a behavioral prioritizing over uh, over plot itself. I, I, I'm, I'm very much into that. I really love a good character study. And um, she works a lot with uh, Jonathan Raymond. Uh, Jonathan Raymond uh, writes as a novelist, writes short stories. Uh, he co-wrote five of the screenplays uh, with Kelly and also uh, a lot of the short stories that the movies themselves are based on. I think at least four of them off the top of my head are Jonathan Raymond stories. Short stories is a good way to describe Kelly Reichard. When you think of short stories, they're like a condensed narrative. They're more descriptive in like, character details and like the environment surrounding uh and they always have like kind of like inconclusive or ambiguous endings and like those descriptions also describe uh the great kelly reichardt yes so kelly reichardt uh you were talking at the top of the show about 
movies in the genre of good, which is how we used to describe the show all the time, like movies you've heard are good. Mm -hmm. And I think Kelly Reichardt in a certain sense is like the ultimate example of this to me. Um, Like Kelly Reichardt, I immediately, as soon as I got streaming Netflix, I immediately put her movies into my queue. And then as they more came out, I continued to immediately add them to my queue on Netflix, but I never watched any of them (laughs) because I was like, I I had heard they were good. I thought they looked very good. But anytime I was like about to watch as like spend some time actually watching something, I was like, these seem both boring and depressing. So like maybe I'll watch something else, you know? (laughs) And it's like nothing against it. I was always like, oh, I'm going to watch it soon. I'm going to watch it soon. And I I never, I had never seen a single one of her movies until we uh, did this episode this week. So like I'm familiar with them in a certain way. Like I know all about them, but I I definitely had not actually spent the time to watch them. You got to actually experience the Reichardt to really feel it. Um, But you say boring. Like she does, it does like that reputation of uh, slow auteur cinema. And she does, in a depressing sense, like all her films are like the disenfranchised outsiders of America. But, you know, uh, I got into her because uh, Old Joy was 2006 and I was a, and still am a big uh, Bonnie Prince, Billy yeah, exactly. Wilhelm fan. So that movie came out. He's, I mean, he's if you were Joy. people, uh, if you're people like us, that's like, that's like celebrity stunt oh, casting. You're like, Will Oldham is in the movie? Actor. Like, come on, the Will Oldham? Yeah, like, so that's amazing. That, that, at know? the time, it was like that. And he really has uh, grown as a, such a wonderful actor. Uh, uh, shout outs to that one scene in uh, A Ghost Story that I really like. Uh, I also like this movie called, it's called uh, Guatemalan Handshake. He's really good in. Uh, that's a Todd Rohal movie. Uh, and there's that uh, Rick Alverson movie, that early Rick Alverson movie. That he, He's just a really good actor. He's also in Wonder Shows, and he's very funny. Uh, but I love Will Oldham. Uh, but yeah, so uh, 2006, that was her second movie. Her first, like, mainstream movie. Her first movie was in 1994 and, like, took her 12 years to make another movie. And they're not very similar movies. I think River Gra- uh, River of Grass is, like, her only amateur in the sense that she was amateur. It was in the 90s. Uh, it's her only movie set in Florida, too, where she's from. Uh, but yeah, I got to grow along with Kelly Reichardt has and got to anticipate all of these movies coming out. And I don't know, uh, just, like, knowing, like, stuff about her and uh, rewatching these movies felt really good. Like, uh, I forgot that... Um, Lucy is her real dog Wendy, of Wendy and Lucy. Oh, is that true? Yeah, she's That's also uh, credited as herself, Lucy, and she's also in Old... I saw that, yeah. yeah also credited in, as herself, and she's also in Old Joy. Uh, yes. And the reason that uh, she's in the movies, Lucy, uh, the dog, <laughs> is that she uh, is has a little bit of abandonment issues, and Kelly and her really, really get along. Uh, so, like, she's around. Kelly uh, brings her everywhere. So uh, Lucy's, uh, you know, a great dog. You just have to be, like play with her and stimulate her. Lucy did pass away, not to get too sappy right oh, off no. the bat. But uh, the movie... Oh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't want this episode about Kelly Reichardt movies to be <laughs> depressing. Like, please, Caleb, keep uh, it out of the show. If you know, if you know certain women, uh, it says for Lucy at the end. Uh, and I forgot about that. And I kind of got really sad when I saw that after rewatching uh, Certain Women, which is great. But oh, yeah. That's sad. That is sad. But I mean, you know, if she was an old joy, that's 2006. That's 14 for years sure. ago now. I mean, come on. There's no way... That's a very, that would be a very, very old dog. Uh, Um, You could use that as a, you know, little jump off if you want to do a little bit of animal talk because, you know, Lucy, wonderful movie star, one of the great uh, indie darlings in animal movie history. (laughs) And and I have to say she is the second person credited in Wendy and Lucy. I mean, true to the the title, title. (laughs) it's... I mean, yeah, she's the titular Lucy, right? It's like Michelle Williams as Wendy, Lucy as herself. If you look it up on IMDb, those are the two. <laughs> and if you, it's on Amazon Prime. That's how I watched it. The X-ray thing that Amazon does, it's like, oh, that's sick. That's the number two person is Lucy, which is pretty funny, I think. Uh, you did, I believe. But yeah, uh, Lucy did win the Palm Dog 
of that year. I love how much we talk about the Palm Dog. Yeah, it, was, uh, it comes up more than you would think, right? Yeah, I think it was, uh, uh, actually, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was the first unanimous Palm Dog was for Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll usually, I mean, all dogs are cute, so I understand that. Like, yeah, your loyalties are divided. Oh, yeah, bit, I give it up for Lucy. Great dog acting. But, yeah, let's talk about some great animal dog acting, She's man. A good, yeah, well, I don't have a huge amount to say about this, because as you, said, as you said, we realized about an hour before the show, this was a good link between these movies. And we keep talking about Lucy. You have to say, also, the titular cow in First Cow is a, is a big character and does a good job, also. It's a good Evie, cow Evie actor. is the cow's name. Evie. The cow, Evie is fantastic. She does a great job. You know, basically, I was just going to say... If it's a movie for adults and it primarily involves an animal, I, I think you know it's going to be a sad movie. <laughs> like sure. that's basically you involve animals in, and even not just things for adults, but things for like teenagers, maybe especially just it's like it's like a way to deal with death and loss that isn't a person dying, but you're feeling a lot of the same emotions. So it's like a kind of a safe way to introduce those themes for kids. I mean, right. Like the first example I thought of, I guess technically this is YA literature, although actually I don't think it is. It's a book from the 50s called The Yearling that was really popular with my in my family. It's set in Florida, uh, and there's a movie of it also from the 50s or 60s that's pretty good. And it's one of the rare movies that's set in Florida where it like actually looks like what Florida looks like, like these weird kind of woods and stuff. And it's because they actually shot it in Florida. But like it's basically like Old Yeller, but it's with a deer, a deer? instead of a dog. <laughs> I have seen this movie like 10 times and I, I don't know what a yearling is. I don't know. <laughs> it's the amount of time, um, I guess, they a year experience, a deer experience. It takes maybe to for the deer to be pregnant. I have no <laughs> idea. But like basically it's about like settlers in the like late 1800s, I think, uh, living in the kind of woods in Florida. And the, the little boy has a pet deer. And it's like, you know, they're pr- trying to protect it from animals and they're trying to survive in the wilderness and... Yeah, I, spoiler alert, the deer fucking dies. Like, of course the deer dies. The, every, the animal, I mean, spoiler alert, as depressing as the, both of these movies are, the animal does not die in either one of these movies, which is actually kind of interesting when you think about it because I feel like a different director would have, given the tone of these films and the, um, the way they're kind of emotionally wrenching in a certain way, you would expect the animals to die, but they, they actually don't, which is, it is kind of an interesting choice, right? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, there is, you know, some sadness with Lindy and Lucy, uh, but with First Cow, I don't know, there's like a kind of a hero shot uh, when we first, uh, the cow floating down this raft, which I thought was a very well-produced uh, so shot. Um, Can I have one? Yeah, but you have any you have any thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I get yeah. one. Uh, you know, there's. I always think of dogs and horses are like the big cinematic, you know, your old dealers, your black buttes. War horses, black beauties. Lassays. Yeah. yeah. When we were thinking of the expanse of this, which is, you know, a bunch of sappy movies, I was like, oh, just think of like good dramas. And the first one that I thought of right away, uh, because uh, uh, the, the director, Robert Breeson, uh, I think is a very big influence on uh, Kelly Reichert. I thought of or Oh Hazard Balthazar. Do you know this movie? Uh, it's a donkey. I'm sorry. <laughs> to, say this. Say the title of this uh, movie again. Oh Hazard Balthazar. Yes, yeah, the donkey's name is Balthazar. He's a French filmmaker, Barbara Breeson. Uh, but yeah, uh, very slow, more naturalistic. Uh, this movie is about uh, a girl growing up with her donkey. Uh, they face a lot of hardships. <laughs> it's on Criterion Channel, I think. Still, I like Barbara. I'm just Breeson. reading. The, um, can I just read the description from Wikipedia real yeah. quick? It says, um, a 1966 French drama directed by Robert Brisson believed to be inspired by a passage from The Idiot by Dostoevsky. Sure. The film follows a donkey as he is given to various owners, most of whom treat him callously. 
that is kind of what Black Beauty, not Black Beauty, but um, is it the the Black Stallion? There's a girl that that's kind of what though, that's about it's too. Like they're she's also treated poorly, and then when they get together, they bond. <laughs> that's of extremely rare, uh, and that's like a very like good pull, as they say, yeah. <laughs> right? Like that's if I've never heard of this movie in my life. It's good. Oh, like, yeah, tell, Bre- tell uh, me more about it. Uh, no, Robert Breeson. He goes a good, slow, depressing d- director from uh, 1960s France to check out. But yeah, I can't believe we didn't look up the Palm Dog. I know that um, my girl Brandy from I recently rewatched the which recent Quentin Tarantino film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and was astounded how good that dog was. Yeah, why didn't we? Yeah, I mean that <laughs> dog in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a great actor yeah. and a Brandy very important dog. part of the film. Yeah, yeah, one of my favorite. Film's recent first time is Jim Jarmusch's Patterson, which has a good dog actor. Uh, the dog's name was Marvin. The movie probably has a different name in real life because that's what happens. Except for Lucy. Lucy's hardcore. Doesn't change your name. Doesn't change your name. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't go in for that shit. She is who he is. You know. <laughs> and Evie the cow, uh-huh. which uh, doesn't even have a name in First Cow. She's just the first cow. She's the titular first cow. Just the cow. Yeah. Uh, so do we want to move on? Do we want to talk about these Let's films that we got this week? about these films. So the first movie this week is 2020's First Cow. You have a cow. First cow in the territory. It's ain't a place for cows. No, it's no place for white men either. I sense opportunity here. So, long-time listeners of the podcast will know that uh, Kelly Reichardt's First Cow is a very important movie to the show. It's a very (laughs) pivotal film in both mine and Caleb's lives. We've told this story many times, but it was in theaters in New York City at the time that everything shut down for coronavirus. Caleb went to see it famously in an empty movie theater uh, and, you know, as like the last thing that he did outside of the house for several months. And I had thought to myself oh, I'll go see it on Tuesday, and by Sunday, all the movie theaters were closed. So, like, it's it's been a very long time in the making, this episode. We're very excited about it. And, like, it's, it's strange because for some reason this movie stayed off streaming for months and months and months. I feel like every other movie that came out around this time came on streaming, like, months before First Cow did. And it only came on streaming, like, last week. <laughs> like, we're talking a full six or seven months after its initial release, which is, I don't understand, and it must have been some kind of crazy rights negotiation. Uh, God only knows. Anyway, that is to say, now, finally, finally, here we are talking about Kelly Reichert's first cow, which is on Amazon. First look right now, it's one of these, like, $20 rentals. As we keep saying, it's in Kelly Reichert's new movie. It's several things. I mean, first of all, it's beautifully shot, right? Uh, it's a kind of a pastoral look at life and friendship and capitalism and a mostly like unformed America. It takes place in Portland ish, basically. Right. It's also, it's also at the same time, like an extremely slow heist movie. It's like oceans 11 on like a handful of Xanax. Uh, it's basically concerns like two unlikely friends uh, who are cookie and King Lou. And this is played by, uh, Jean Majaro and Orion Lee, who are like, they're together in the frontier. They're looking for a way to get ahead in life. They're poor people who they don't have anything. And then they're just trying to think of how to get started and to make themselves into something. Um, so they hit on this kind of gentle and beautiful idea of baking treats for people in this like fort that they are staying in. Uh, because Cookie, he's it's not his name. He's the cook of this band of trappers and they call him Cookie. There's lots of great sequences of him 
picking mushrooms. But anyway, like um, the only problem with their plan is they need to steal milk to do it. So then the movie, this is pretty well into the movie. It becomes like this kind of heist movie, right? And it, it's like, can they keep stealing milk? Uh, can they cater the big party and not get found out? It's like very tense, beautiful. It's very slow. And, uh, you know, it's a beautiful film in a lot of ways. Uh, Caleb, wh- what did you think about this yes, movie? Yes, all of that, yes. Uh, it's a very wholesome movie. Uh, uh, there's a lot of cooperating and uh, the gentleness depicted in this uh, male friendship between King Lou and Cookie. It's like 50 minutes before uh, the cow plan is even hatched. It's like a two-hour movie. So yeah. we see them meet uh, and they uh, learn to, f- that they're just sweet outsiders uh, and... You know, it's a cruel and unforgiving climate they're in, uh, this early selling time. There's a lot of, I think other men in this movie are depicted as being capital M-E-N men, uh, chest beating, trying to establish dominance, that macho attitude of men. Not these two guys, they're just super sweetheart guys. So like this men is almost like a a scenery to inform their like very uh, sweet bond. Yeah, there's so much wholesome shots. Uh, I think my favorite wholesome thing they do is... uh, he sees a lizard and just flips it upside down to back on oh from its God, stomach. That's so great. Uh, there's just so this yeah, is this hap- this is great. I, I I also really love that shot. And it's there's this very long sequence right at the top of the movie where Cookie is out just picking mushrooms yeah. for his uh, crew. He's picking these like chanterelles, these beautiful fat looking chanterelles. He's picking them up, and you're just seeing over and over again him like reaching very carefully and picking up all this food. And you sort of get understand at a certain point he's like gathering food and he's out in the wilderness. And then there's like this lizard that's upside down. And I am thinking like, oh shit, he's going to like eat this lizard. Like that's kind of fucked up, but I, I guess I understand. But then he like picks it up and just gently flips it back over. And I was like, oh my God, I love this guy so yeah, much. He keeps that throughout the whole film. Uh, like every time they compliment, he makes these uh, oily cakes. Uh, and every time like he gets a compliment, he just like nods and like, thank is like very, very appreciative. Uh, and yeah, like, yeah. Uh, and, and, and uh, that's, uh, Cookie, the king, who does the cooking, but his partner is like a nice little foible to him, uh, King Lou, which I love the name King Lou. Uh, but yeah, it, it starts Lou. off know, that yeah, like pretty good uh, Cookie has running with these uh, fur trapping men, and King Lou is being chased by these other women, and just an act of kindness bonds them together. They end up being roommates, uh, and he just like encourages. He has like this. Uh, I think a way. <laughs> Wait, can I can I interrupt for yeah. a second to say that you say they they become roommates, but the situation the scene where they become roommates it's so fucking bizarre yeah, and it's just but it but it, it proceeds so normally it's it's just very very weird it's, it's basically like they're in they're in the same bar they haven't seen each other for a long time and they've just seen each other like literally just they've hardly even spoken but they've seen each other and then like a bar fight starts like I said, there's these men and there's a huge and a cartoony bar fight breaks out right <laughs> right a cartoon bar fight breaks out there's a huge guy sitting next to cookie who He's getting made fun of. Basically, he picks up this basket, puts it on the bar, and says to Cookie, watch this until I get back. And then turns around and punches a guy, and then there's like a big bar fight. And the basket has a baby in it, like a little baby. Baby. And so... King Lou and Cookie are talking for a while, and King Lou's like, "Oh, you gotta come out to my house." And Cookie's like, "I have a bottle." Yeah, but this, I have this baby. I'm supposed to be, <laughs> I'm looking after this baby. And King Lou just goes like, "It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's fine." And they just leave. And I kept expecting for like something terrible yeah. to happen with that, or for it to come back in some way, and it just never does. Yeah. It just never does. It's funny in the script, but like the way they shoot it, just like what's what 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 whoa okay. Uh, and yeah, even when they go back to the house, it's just like. 
you stay there and enjoy yourself. They're like talking about where they're from and like, you know, some expedition, but it's just like them, you know, how you meet anybody and just talk to someone and get to know someone. Yeah, uh, right. And then like you sit down, relax and Cookie doesn't do that. He just starts cleaning up, sweeping, pick some flowers <laughs> and helps decorate the <laughs> shed that they end up spending their times together. It's all very, very, uh, it's very, very sweet. sweet. I mean, basically this part of the movie is establishing like, like exactly like you said, these are two sweet outsiders and everything they do is like, sweet and thoughtful and they're very kind to each other, but they're in this world where those are not qualities that are valued. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say um, that uh, King Lou Orion Lee, the way that Orion Lee plays it is like uh, curious. Uh, Like he is a a Chinese person visiting uh, or coming to America. He has all this knowledge. He's very, very uh, knowledgeable. He knows about like New York row houses and uh, beaver trapping uh, and all about the business. And he speaks like these Indian languages also in addition to English. Uh, but yet, but about the white man, he has this like uh, odd curiosity. He like Cookie makes all these like really dad jokes to him, and he always laughs at him, like in awe. Like he's just like a, a an odd person by his new friend. It's uh, I don't know. Like that's why I love this movie so much. And when I first saw it, it's like the one thing I can't remember. That was like the bedrock uh, of this movie. And on my second watch, it's just like they're just so sweet and wholesome to each other. But yeah, after you know this on the second watch, uh, I paid more attention to. Uh, something you alluded to, uh, a story about America. And, I got, and there's a lot of good details in it. I think, I love Kelly Reichardt movies. Uh, she's a very independent uh, auteur. But, you know, she only only done two period pieces, uh, this and Meek's Cutoff. And they're both amazing. And I think she nails uh, all the notes uh, for this 1820s setting in the, uh, or uh, Settler's Town in Oregon. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it is, given the kinds of movies she makes, it's surprising she doesn't make more of these because it just, it her style and her interests lend themselves mm-hmm. so naturally to these kind of like frontier stories because it's all about like how people relate to each other and how people relate to like what they conceive of as society and like, you know, the ways that we are cruel to each other and the justifications mm-hmm. we give each other, outs- we give ourselves yeah, for, the, for doing that. The outsiders fighting spirits uh, versus the... Uh, you know what you alluded to, uh, what you said, uh, capitalism <laughs> in the face of uh, uh, what is the harsh realities of the world. Uh, like this movie shows that disparaging social class, like the first cow in this movie is only there because a rich guy wanted milk in his tea. Uh, and it's rich guys played by Toby Jones, who's one of the best character actors we have. The chief factor, he's uh, the big money in there. He's the only house really in the territory. Yeah. Just we're watching this movie again. Uh, it's about you know hard work and ambition can get you so far. King Lou and uh, jo- uh, John Majero, uh Cookie are hardworking and ambitious, uh, but you know sometimes you need to break the rules when it's necessary to like get ahead, uh, in which they do in stealing uh, the cow's milk. Uh, but yeah. sometimes that even that is not enough because that's how class structures work. Well, like you were saying, it's King Lou has this great line talking about where you know it's. They're just talking about their own situation, but it's such a beautiful, like, line about life under capitalism, I thought. Um, He says, like, it's getting started that's the puzzle. There's no way for a poor man to get started. You need capital. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, dude, like, 100%. Like, you can be, like, smart and know how something should be done and know, like, you know, how to do something. But if you don't have, if you don't already have money, then you can't do it. And there's a line very similar to that in Wendy and Lucy when they say like, you got to have a job to get a job. You got to have an address to get an address. It's like, 
if you're outside of the system, there's no way to get inside. It can feel mm-hmm. like, I mean, and there kind of isn't, right? Yeah, I would. Uh, I, I was reminded a lot about uh, Wendy and Lucy during this in the sense of uh, states of America at the time of uh, where both these movies are set. Uh, but not to spoil our Wendy and Lucy chat a little uh, too much. Well, uh, but not it, to spoil it, but also another connection I think between these two movies is that the very first scene in First Cow is a woman and her dog sure. in the woods together, and they find two skeletons. So right away it puts this like tension and dread over everything you're seeing, yeah, because it's like you know two people are gonna die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're um, right next to each other, like holding hands. Basically, you know, I don't care if I'm spoiling a little bit. Uh, I think I, I really like that decision because uh, I forgot about it on the second watch, but. Uh, after watching it, and I was like, I, I totally respect that it's a framing device, sure. Uh, it, one, it sets how slow the movie really is. This is the tone for it, uh, digging these skeletons out. Uh, also, a boat goes by very, very slowly. Uh, the slow oh passage God, of yeah. people through time. Uh, but it also just goes to show that the people, the, uh, the two skeletons, which we're led to believe are, you know, are heroes here, uh, they're not, they weren't meant for their time. They're meant for this time, a time of you know, more compassionate men. Uh, they're not uh, those guys. They're not like big, burly settler guys. They're, you know, sensitive men. And I thought that was a very uh, cool choice to do that. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, but I do disagree with you a little bit. I mean, I don't think Kelly Reichardt thinks like now is a better time to be a sweet, soft person. I think it's, I think if anything, it's saying there's like these commonalities between times. And because of the way the movie starts, like, you know, and I don't know to what extent this all of this is intentional, but it's like, you know, it's a period piece and the movie starts in this certain way where like first it's a boat, then it's a dog. And it's like, is it now or is it the past? And you really have no idea until you see the woman walk in in her like, you know, high tech outdoor, you know, hiking gear. And then you're like, oh, it is now. And then she very slowly uncovers this skeleton and and then we cut just cut to cookie looking for mushrooms so I feel like she's just trying to draw commonalities and draw together the past and the the, the past I mean, it's and the a present. Good, and uh, say like you know like, edit, like you know, the past isn't past. All her own movies. Yeah. We're agree to disagree there, but um, but in all her edits, and I would like to talk about you know how gorgeous this movie is now because uh, all her movies um, use nature. Uh, Wendy Lucy, uh, I can I'm going to get into that too, but uh, I think that's part of her. I've said auteur already twice i believe so i'll get into like she uses a lot of uh you know works with i said she works with a lot of uh, uh, john raymond a lot but she uh, edits all her all her movies too you know working with the same crew and having the same style is part of the uh auteur theory itself but she uses nature a lot too and i think i mean she uses nature excellently too wide landscapes a lot of tracking shots through nature and i think that what that does is uh not only it makes it fun to edit like like it said it went from like seamlessly from 2020 to eighteen twenty, two hundred years through nature but it also brings a sense of real life like i said all her movies are more behavioral uh so we're not getting a lot of like a lot of just scenes of actors by themselves a lot of her lead performances in her movies, uh, get a lot of uh, the actors get a lot of time to themselves, especially in Wendy and Lucy. Uh, there's a lot of uh, alone time between uh, when we're first introduced to Cookie too, and that's a challenging thing to do is to uh, make solitude compelling, the actor and the director. So like through mm-hmm. nature, which is just you know bringing that sense of this this is a real thing that we all go through. We're alone most of the time. I'm alone in a room right now, <laughs> uh, but she 
it allows her to hit these grace notes of uh, the benefits of solitude, really, uh, which I think is something I really, really just uh, feel and relate to and make her think, that makes me think is that she understands being alone is a blessing, and I love that. Can I talk about the cinematographer for a sec? He, she works, I don't think yeah, Chris please. Blavelt. Yeah, please, I mean, it's a beautiful, it's yeah. a beautiful movie, right? Yeah, yeah Chris Blavelt, uh, he did most of her movies. I don't think he did all, so I can't say that. But he also did um, a, lot of, a lot of indie stuff. He did The Bling Ring and uh, Don't Worry, We Won't Get Far in Foot, which I thought were also uh, well-shot movies. But this movie particularly, First Cow, wow, amazing color. There's so many shades of green in this movie. Uh, there's so much sky uh, and what they did was uh, they shot low to the ground, so you're looking up a lot, too, or, like, just looking straight through the ground at the trees. Uh, I mean, that's hard to do as a, from a physical standpoint, but yeah. it's uh, absolutely gorgeous. And uh, it's in box ratio, too, uh, which means you're, it's a more uh, vertical other than wide. But yeah, lovely, lovely shot movie. You know, and we're talking about this film, and we're talking about the themes and the 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 scenes and everything. But I mean, I, I have to say, Caleb, like it, the way that these scenes happen and the way that they evolve, I mean, there is this mix of dread and boredom in everything that happens where like, like I said, like I said, it's like a heist movie on Xanax. Like it's, there are parts of the movie where legitimately stressful things are happening. And there are parts of the movie where like basically literally nothing is happening. And the characters seem to have the same urgency in like both when, when, in, in the parts where there's like legitimate life and death stuff happening. The characters have to keep saying to each other, okay, well, really we should like probably go, you know, <laughs> because it's just like everything is so sedate everything every shot is like two full minutes long and every scene is like 10 minutes and somehow the movie's only an hour and a half but it's like two, it's a two hour movie it is oh is it is it a two hour movie okay there the whole first half of the movie like i was ta- talking about this um fight scene in the bar and the mushroom picking it's like you just kind of feel unmoored from reality and and i think that that does like effectively communicate the way it, w- it would feel to be like a person in the 1820s who's like living in the woods in america i mean how fucking crazy is that it's like the craziest thing i mean the the thing i always think of about times like this is like it's not like the whole world was like this like the whole world was not like a lot of the world was civilized and 1820 i mean new york was started as a city in like 1660 so like New York was like 150 years old. Do you know what I mean? Like half the buildings in my neighborhood were here by 1820. So it's like to choose to be going to like live in the woods and eat mushrooms and like kill beavers for money and like set up rocks that are killing squirrels. It's like you have to be a very particular kind of person and you have to be after a particular kind of experience. And I think she does a good job of capturing the reality of that like how fucking yes, yeah. weird that would be uh it, it uh, yeah how surreal it is and how uh muddy that is like i think uh i've read that she flew in so much mud and prayed for rain to get even more of a mud effect it's all in the background too so it's not really like that important other than the sense that it's accurate <laughs> but uh i think she said it was uh her first assistant director was in charge of the background and they got really giddy and happy uh, because there's a lot of choreography going on in the background. It's a lot of just, you know, Cookie and King Lou uh, selling their selling their wares, or people just, a lot, you know, ton of walking. So when they're in the, like, village, there's just a lot of just people doing stuff. And there's so much, like, weird characters. A guy has a raven. I love that guy. Yeah. This is a very sweet thing. When Cookie first leaves his uh, the fur trappers, he travels with in the first uh, part of the movie. 
one of the first things he does is buy boots. We just see him putting on new boots, and he's walking nice. through the town uh, wearing his new boots. And everyone's like, give him a little look. And one of the, the old raven guy just goes, fancy boots, fancy boots. <laughs> I, 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 he like, basically, and because of the way the movie's happening, I, I, I think Catherine was watching it with me at this point, and she was like, oh no, is someone going to kill him for his boots? <laughs> like, that's the, that's the what it seems like is about to happen. Yeah, because, I don't know, it's a, she feels tension in her movies. Like, there, I mean, there was tension in it. Like, he, there, there was a, right before that, there was hiding King Lou, and King Lou had to jump in a river and swim away. So she feels, like, she knows when to, like, hit a little button to, like, keep you thinking. But, yeah, but she's also, you know, showing you nature and letting you, like, contemplate scenes or contemplate characters choices uh she's letting you you know try and think about what a character is thinking and that in turn makes you think about you know how we judge characters and how uh what why we judge characters yeah um so i don't know yeah i mean it like i said it does pick up eventually and, and not pick up but it just the plot begins to happen and it's this thing where they're stealing milk and they're baking and they're having a lot of success and then right they like you said they do get found out eventually and then they're being pursued and you know lots of things happen but um yeah i don't know i mean do you have more you would like to say about this or do you want to move on to uh, Wendy we and could Lucy? uh move them to w and l this is windy and lucy great dog what's her name uh, lucy you're a sweetheart lucy where are you going going to alaska King Salmon, you going to work? Can't sleep here, ma'am. You can't sleep out here, it's not allowed. Okay. The resourcefulness and initiative one must display to make their life better can be aided by money, be that a nest egg or a family net. Uh, Wendy of Kelly Reichard's Wendy and Lucy doesn't have that money, but she has the gumption, enough gumption to drive across the country from Indiana to Alaska to make her life better. Uh, but her situation doesn't improve as she finds herself stranded with a broken down car in some anonymous Oregon small town. Uh, matters only worsen when her only com companion her dog Lucy goes missing after an incident at the local supermarket. Kelly Reichardt showcases a subtle undercurrent of unhappiness in American life, as this film was right after the recession, uh, 2008. As Wendy searches forlornly for her dog, from a kindly old parking lot security guard to a de to a dejected teenage stock boy, uh, blindly who blindly follows orders, the painting of this small town America is bleak as it is real, uh, but is really all a sideline to the main performance of one Michelle Williams, who runs the table in a torrent of emotions boiling over or compressed inside. Wendy and Lucy premiered at the 2008 Cannes Film Festival, and for me, it established Reichardt as a must-watch director and Williams as one of my generation's most gifted actors. Dawson's Creek be damned. Uh, Chris, how you feeling? Large. Wait, no, that was the wrong question. Um... How do I feel about Wendy and Lucy? Well, yeah, this is definitely one of those movies I've been hearing about for a very long time. It came out in 2008. That's 12 years ago as we sit here. And, you know, I remember the trailer very well. I remember how much it was about Michelle Williams wandering around and yelling Lucy over and over again. Like, as maybe you will have just heard in this trailer we just played. Um, I thought it was a very good movie. I mean... Uh, it has it has a lot of similarities and you know common themes with first cow right it's about people on the outside of society it's about the ways well i guess it sort of complements first cow in a way because first cow was about people and they even say this explicitly and it's in the trailer they say like history hasn't caught up with us yet so it's like people who are out in the world you know in this kind of time outside of 
systems and government and history and they're trying to establish themselves so they say like when history catches us we can take it on our own terms right whereas this movie is about people who are you know already in history right they're you're in the modern day america that we all know and it's about how you know the systems that we all live under and like it they're they're not only are they like oppressive but it has this interesting point like you mentioned the the teenage stock boy who like basically she's her dog is hungry and so she shoplifts a couple cans of dog food and this teenage boy runs up and grabs her and hauls her to the manager's office and the manager is kind of like like what do you want why are you bringing like what do you want me to do like i don't give a shit and that the boy is like there are rules for a reason we have to make an example of her and we have to do something and she's like i don't even live here like i'm not gonna be an example to anybody and he's like whoa the rules have to matter for everybody and it's like you know, as much as he's just like a real shit heel and you just hate him so much, it also I thought was a really interesting way to show that like rules and systems like this only exist because we're all constantly enforcing them upon each other and for this for no real reason that benefits any of us. Like like so yeah, she gets arrested for shoplifting, she goes to jail, and this is kind of how she loses Lucy, is that then she had tied up Lucy outside the grocery store and then by the time she gets out of jail, Lucy's gone. And the whole time, I'm just thinking to myself, like, who is this benefiting? Like, what is the point of this system? Like, who is who is enjoying this? Who is getting anything out of it, you know? And, and it's hard to say, you know? Like, the cops all seem miserable. They don't know how to work any of their equipment. <laughs> like, you know, Wendy's obviously miserable. Like, I guess the teen boy feels good about following the rules. But it's like, what... Why Why do we live in a world like this, you yeah, know? Like, what Trump is kid, the yeah. point of this? Uh, yeah, so, so, I mean, it, I, I thought that was very, very well done. Yeah, so it's 2008. This movie came out. It was filmed in August 2007. Yeah, man, that's, like, right the end of the end of the Bush years. Yeah, it's uh, the economy was tanking, uh, all that shit. And, yeah, she's moving from Indiana to go work at the canneries of Alaska for money, and she, again, has no money as she's doing this. And, yeah... Uh, there's like little tiny scenes in here that like as there's as scenes go by, but there's like little impactful scenes. Like uh, a very telling scene is uh, after she loses her dog, uh, state of desperation, panic. She calls her sister. This is a time of need, uh, and her sister like just dismisses her almost immediately. Uh, you, get, you get the sense that her sister is also very strapped for cash too and can't help anyone. Like where are you at? Oh, we can't do anything for you. She just she just needed uh, a connection and like. What we're learning about uh, Wendy, uh, the Michelle Williams character, is that proves that she doesn't have a connection. She's kind of rootless in her world. And her only connection is uh, Lucy, who is a person who depends on her because that person, she's a dog. I wanted to say the scene you were talking about with the, where she talks to her sister, I thought this is another example of the way that like capitalism is not just a system of economics. It's a, it's a, it's a mindset. You know, and and that's what I think a lot of these films are about, right? And so the she calls her sister. She's just having a really tough time, and she's just kind of like you said, she's freaking out. She doesn't know what to do, and she just calls her sister to like talk. And her her sister is like, "What do you need from us?" And she's like, "Well, I, I nothing. I just wanted to talk." And she's like, "We don't have any more money. Like, well, I don't know what you want from us." And it's like you know, looking at every single interaction you have with another human being as like an opportunity to either get or be taken you know economically or status or power wise you know it's it's sick it's a sickness you know and it's it's un, it's literally inhumane it's unhuman and then this is the way that we're all living and it's it's terrible it's terrible 
Although having said that, like there is one nice character in the movie, which I was so glad about. I feel like one of my eternal reasons that I'm really mad about uh, Nymphomaniac is that at the very end, they have Stellan Skarsgård's character like also be a rapist, which I felt was so unearned. I felt like I was total bullshit. And it's just Lars von Trier being like, everyone fucking sucks. Like even mm, the Lars people von who Trier's seem nice fucking suck. He does in every movie. I know. I know he does that in every movie, but like, you know, this movie, I was so glad that there was a, one nice person. I mean, he does do something shitty. Like, so the way that he first meets, he's doing Michelle his job, Williams man. Is that yeah. He's doing his job. His job is to get her to leave this lot. She's but a- then it's like, who the fuck would ever know if she, she's sleeping in her car and the lot of this rail yard and he's a security guard of the rail yard and he's making her leave. But it's like, who would know if he didn't make her leave? He never like you. I, I kept waiting for him to like offer for her to stay at his house or like, you know, something along those lines. And that never, ever happens. At the very end of the movie, he gives her some money. Oh, my gosh. And so, um, go ahead. which is really f- funny and sad because it's like it's, this, he, he gives her this wad of money and says, like, don't just take it. Don't ask any questions. This scene, and then they show a close up on it. And it's like six dollars. <laughs> and it's like. I, I didn't know whether to take it as like he's so poor and this is all he could afford, but he still gave it to her and it's so yes, touching. Or whether it's is. like, or or I think you can also read it no, as man. like, it's even though he likes her so much, it's like this is all he really wanted to give. He just happened to have it. So this on scene him, stuck you know? with me when I saw this back whenever uh, what was it two thousand eight came out. So I saw it around then. Like that that like it broke me when I first saw it, just because like I was happy for her getting money and then. It just, it was just wasn't like you could see it in her face it being happy and then it's it's always stuck with me that he only gives her like six dollars because like the, the, the paying attention to it again on this watch is like she asks her like hey are there any jobs around here is like no not really uh, yeah it's just he's so kind to her uh, it's all like he gives her he's the only, gives her her phone to call uh, yeah it's the saddest thing and he wants to help but he knows that he can and also he's an old guy with a ponytail which is the cutest thing too. We're talking like all these side characters, and it's then I think uh, they all are just you know bouncing off this amazing Michelle Williams performance. Like performance, uh, like Wendy is a a loner. She's a quiet. She has pride. Uh, she holds back her emotions until they are needed. Like we said, like we mentioned that stock boy earlier. Uh, when she sees him after the fact, she lost her dog. She cannot hold back that this is this kid's fault, and she just lets it have it as he's getting into his mom's car. Uh, it's but like, like having said that, like she does hold back, like pretty. She just yeah, it, saying, it, yeah. it it rang so true to me because she is mad at him, but it's like she barely, barely says anything mean to him. Like like as someone who this is something me and Catherine have all the time. It's like we are such nice people, and our standards of what is rude behavior are like so low that like we'll if we have like a confrontation with somebody, in our minds we're like, oh, I really told that guy, but in reality, all we did was say like, excuse me. But it was like, we were like so keyed up, you know, like that it was like, so for her, it's like, she hardly says anything to him, but she was like, like, hope you're happy with yourself. Yeah, as a person, as as the audience who are watching that, it's, um, we don't really see her react that big. And I think this is uh, part of the genius of Kelly Reichardt in Choices as a director. Uh, She shoots that not close up. She shoots that in a way that's not relieving for us as the audience. We don't get like an emotional thing of her face. We don't see the kid's face. We don't see anything other than just a very far away shot of her yelling at a car in the distance. And it's, there's no catharsis there. It just really, it keeps, keeps it pent up as the audience. I think that is just amazing filming. That's what movies are in in bare bones. And I uh, absolutely love it. And I think it does such a good job of showing how like 
like impotent this is. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's just happening and it's not going to accomplish anything and it's not going to make either one of them feel good or in his case, make him feel bad. It's just like, it's just a thing that happened. And it's, I think it, like you're saying, the way it's shot does such a good job of making it just seem like pointless and impotent. You know, it's just like, you're a jerk. And he's just like, whatever. And it's, that's just what it feels like in those moments. Like you, you are unable to stop yourself from doing it, but you also know how stupid it is. You know, there is a sense of motion throughout this movie, uh, as she's uh, moving across country and, trying to find her dog after it's lost. That sense of motion, you know, as all her movies, it's slow, but it's still a a sense of motion. Uh, It's that mounting desperation. Uh, But, you know, there's some key things that uh, I love that Kelly does. Uh, I think one of the early shots of the movie is a nice panning shot of her walking across a field of green grass playing with Lucy. Uh, There's a lot of uh, frustration every time she has to uh, go on a bus uh, they would show like outside the window, uh, like the over the shoulder shot outside the window. Uh, there's some trains in this movie too, which is you know another motion thing. Uh, and I think there's a big one that very brought it all together for me was uh, she's in the woods, you know, a stagnant part of she's sleeping for the night, and then the incident happens and she has to just run back to her sanctuary, which is a gas station bathroom. Um, oh, I know. And, oh, I know. It's so oof. sad. And yeah, no, there's like so, uh, I think what. Kelly does, you know, amongst all the decisions is that she doesn't give expository in a meaningful way. Like when we see her, you know, let loose in the bathroom of just being freaking out, holding it in and just freaking out in the bathroom. Like we also see she's wearing like a, a gurney of sorts around her waist. And she also has uh, an ankle thing around her that they alluded to a couple of times. Well, we, we never hear why. And, you know, it's, I think that's part of relationship, audience relationship to a character is like, you know, you can judge Wendy. Uh, she is, uh, you know going across country without money and stealing things. But, you know, it's right. is it right to judge somebody? Uh, but, you know, you don't know her exact circumstances, so we can't get a clear picture of even our own judgment, too. I agree with everything you said. And by the, my point, which is different but complementary, is that um, one thing I really like about the movie, too, is the way that it's, it's a movie about being poor, you know? And it's a movie mm-hmm. about being poor in this particular way that, like, middle classish people can be poor like Wendy she has a car at the beginning of the movie and she has like some some possessions and there's a moment where she has to bed down in the woods like later on in the film and she's very like seems like you know this is not how she pictures herself you know like she doesn't picture herself as being a homeless person like she thinks that you know at the beginning of the movie she's literally someone who's going somewhere and then as is the case when you are a uh, poor person like the smallest thing can derail your entire life so basically she just has some car trouble and like having car trouble is like an insurmountable difficulty in her life basically and i thought that was like such an interesting and very true way to look at um you know poverty in america and and even as people who like this character are like are poor people but don't like consider themselves to be poor people but it's like if you run into a problem that you don't have enough money to solve and if you're poor that's like a lot of problems there's like it's insurmountable you know it's i there is not an answer to the problem the answer is get more money I mean, she, there is a point in the movie where she says, like, oh, I'll get some more money and then I'll come back. And you're like, how are you going to get some more money, Wendy? Like, yeah. what are you? <laughs> that's not going to happen. Like, you know, and that that's the same as First Cow, too. It's like they're obsessed with getting money because it's the only way to do anything. 
but at the same time, it's impossible for them to get money. The system is built to prevent you from getting money mm-hmm. if you don't already have it. Sometimes you need to catch a break, and that is just luck. <laughs> and she's not afforded any of those uh, lucky moments for herself. Yeah, exactly right. She has no luck. She has, In fact, she has terrible luck. Another thing I really liked about this movie and thought was very true, uh, that it's, it depicts life, and especially life as being a person like not of means, as being just like a series of really stupid problems that you just have to solve somehow. And they aren't, they aren't really like that difficult, but they're just like very time consuming. And, you know, it requires you to deal with other people and they don't really give a shit about you. And, you know, that is, that takes up your entire life, just solving these little problems. Uh, and I thought that was like, yeah, that's very true to what being alive is, you know? I tried uh, bringing this up earlier, but I would, uh, hard not to, uh, Michelle Williams is so fucking good in this movie. Uh, yeah. So she's, so she's kind of yeah. known and wonderfully so for these big pieces, Manchester by the Sea, of, uh, against, you know, uh, big character men. Uh, Brokeback Manchester Mountain. By the sea, uh, yeah. uh, Derek C. Anne Frank movie, uh, Blue Valentine, even uh, Brokeback Mountain with Heath Ledger. Uh, she's playing, she's a quiet woman playing off thing, but she allowed to like, you know, boil over. And this, and I, th- I alluded to earlier, uh, as in all Kelly Reichardt movies, characters are by themselves a lot. So she has to do this solitude. I think she she absolutely is so uh, captivating in this movie. Uh, like I, 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 she became, after seeing this in 2008, I was like, oh, she's my favorite actress. I've been a huge fan ever since. Uh, like, I was one of those people like, oh, I don't care about her. She's on a Dawson's Creek show I've never watched once in my life. Dismissed her. And, you know, I'm an idiot, so I'm a huge fan now. And uh, this is her th- this was her first movie with uh, Kelly. She's uh, returned to her three times, as working pairs uh, should. Uh, Meek's Cutoff, uh, which is a couple years later, and then Certain Women, which was about two or three years ago. Uh, they both are very similar, and but still kind of different roles for... Uh, Michelle Williams, uh, they both play with that, you know, loneliness in a way. Uh, uh, just to go real quick about, like, th- I think they have a, a great working relationship, and I, I hope they still continue to work it. As uh, Kelly has working more with, uh, you know, bigger name actors, except for in this first cow. I thought I, I like that she went back. But, you know, Night Moves had Jesse Eisenberg. Well, and Toby other... Jones, I mean. Yeah, true, yeah. Toby Jones. Toby Jones, love you, Toby Jones. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, Meek's Cutoff had, like, uh, Michelle Williams and uh, Zoe Kazan. Uh, Paul Dano was in it. But she's a reserved pioneer woman, so you know that type of repression Michelle Williams is playing, and she's just uh, the plot of that movie is her husband gets lost on the Oregon Trail, uh, and so she's absolutely seething at her husband this for most of the movie <laughs> for getting lost, and she's not wrong for being mad at him, but you know just holding back anger. And there's this amazing scene of her chewing her husband out in the kindest manner possible about just explaining all the reasons she is so upset. Such good acting. Uh, and in Certain Women, which is three short stories, again, uh, she's working with bigger caster. There's a Laura Dern bit, uh, Kirsten Stewart's in that movie. But yeah, she has a uh, the hinge, the middle story, and she's like a repressed housewife, uh, an, an impatient woman who's not relating, to, who can't really relate to other people on a basic level. Uh, and her plot is just she wants to buy sandstone for her house, for her second home she's building. Uh, and like her daughter doesn't give a fuck about her. Her husband's, uh, you know a nice guy who's, like, putting up with his wife. And it's one of those things, like, the loneliness is just her own building, and it's such a different way of playing it. I I don't understand how she even made it cinematic, 
but it's that working relationship between Michelle Williams and Kelly Reichert that's just pure magic. I mean, and, she's a fantastic yeah. actress. I, I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, I've always liked her, and I mean, I you know, you it's impossible in to Street? talk about her. We have we well no no i liked her like in the like post you know the late 2000s i mean i've always thought about her as you know another brooklyn hipster right who's like living a life similar to me but much richer than me like you know she literally i've run into her at the brooklyn flea i've run into her at like little delis in brooklyn with her like adorable daughter you would see her like especially in the like like around 2008 to 2011 you would see her around like all the time in brooklyn and it was like she was just obviously a person who like consumed the same kind of culture that i consumed and uh lived in the same kind of place that i lived and it was i always had a soft spot for her and i i always felt affectionately towards her and i and i the movies of her as i've seen in that period like blue blue valentine I always thought she was amazing. And then, of course, she broke back mountain. Like, you know, she's very, 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 very good in Max this movie. Too. So I have always taken her very seriously. And I mean, we, we can't, we haven't mentioned this, but it's like, there's also the whole Heath Ledger thing. And so this movie came out, they filmed this movie right after she separated from Heath Ledger. And then it, you know, it wasn't, she was filming another movie when the Heath Ledger died. And, uh, you know, apparently from what I read, she enjoyed, you know, being able to make this movie. And they made it on a very, very small budget, yeah, was it like $300,000. January, yeah. he passed away of that year, 2008. Yeah. So they feel like you said they filmed it in the summer of 2007. So yeah, so right like, before this was at, yeah, sun, uh, probably at some film festivals and stuff. So they had broken up and then she just kind of went and did this very small indie movie with a very small crew in Portland, just like dressing like a normal 2008 person, you know? And I do love the costuming of her. It is very like 2008. Like she's wearing like a hoodie, uh, you know, and she has like hoodie, short black uh, hair. Like shorts that go down to her knees, uh, dark yeah. hair. Yeah, very different Michelle Williams look than uh, totally works for the character, too. Yeah, but it's like very different than how you're used to seeing her. But if you were in your 20s in the 2000s at any point, like it's very identifiable as like a way people really looked. Uh, we didn't talk about um, uh, Lucy too much, the other star. <laughs> uh, they do get uh, back together. <laughs> and we told her that she lost her dog, but they are back together by the movie's end. But there's another twist, and it's a sad thing that you should go watch for yourself because it's the. A very good movie. Kelly Reichard, uh, one of the best uh, directors of independent American cinema. We've, I think we've both touched on how American both her movies are in the sense in that it's depressing, which is a true American way of life. <laughs> Reading about this movie, I've read a couple of reviews. The, uh, so in 2008, the New York Times, uh, at the end of the, at the article, they put New York Times says of the R rating, uh, the rating seems to reflect, above all, an impulse to protect children from learning that people are lonely and that life can be hard. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you, New York Times. Do you got anything else you want to say about Wendy and Lucy, Caleb? You know, Wendy and Lucy, I think, as an auteur director, uh, she's always in conversation with your other films. Uh, Wendy and Lucy had helped inspire, like, the DIY ethos and maybe even Night Moves. In uh, you know, First Cow, you could say isn't even like a prequel to Beak's Cutoff in the sense of, you know, early settlers time. Uh, and also reminded me of Old Joy in the sense of uh, the male bonding aspect of it. Uh, but yeah, I love when you ask me a question to make my actually best choice. Yeah, Caleb. So like, let's say you had to pick one of these movies as being the best movie or you'll be relentlessly ground down your entire life by a faceless capitalist system. 
which of them would you pick? You know, it's very tough. I think I'm gonna pick Wendy and Lucy, and that's uh, the cop out answer. Of I've had more, I've had more time with it. <laughs> uh, like I said, uh, uh, it's an early film of hers. Uh, I've only seen it twice now, uh, and I, 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 it still s- sticks with me so hard. And you know, it informed me of how much I love Kelly Reichard and and Michelle Williams. Uh, whereas first call, I think you know, a huge step up for Kelly in this in the production sense and even some storytelling aspects too. Uh, that being said, I'm gonna pick Wendy and Lucy just for the sense of time is on its side. Uh, but you know, check within me 20 years, maybe I'll like first cow more than. Yeah, uh, it's an interesting question because right, I had been so looking forward to seeing first cow. I mean, we talked about it a million oh, yeah, times. Yeah, it's my favorite movie of the uh, year. Yeah, multiple. Yeah, locations. exactly. Um, and. You know, but I I will say this was a movie that really made me miss watching movies in the movie yes, theater. 100%. Like I, I really wanted watching it again at home on Amazon or watching it for the first time. It made me like really wish I had seen it. Like I just kept imagining seeing it at the Angelica, and then like you know just being totally immersed in it, and then like walking out into the Lower East Side at like ten thirty on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just getting to sit with it a little bit on my way home and think about the themes of it. Like, it, I, I personally didn't think it held up to home watching in the way that other movies do. It's because of the way that it's very slow and, you know, uh, because of, you know, watching it at home with a million distractions, it's, it's hard to focus on the movie in the way that it demands to be focused on. I would agree with that, yeah. And I thought it kind of diminished it somewhat right yeah, movies are meant to so, see on the big beautiful screen the way they're shot for yeah i mean the, the nature i think hits so harder. too the nature hits harder and it's and, and you could just focus on it and think about it and sit in it and it creates a whole environment around you but yeah, watching yeah. it at home and you're like you're you got your phone and you've you know you're everybody you you know your your family is there and you like should clean things up and you've i don't know whatever blah 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 it's it's very hard to focus on. The burden on. of pausing, yeah, man. Yeah, so I also have to say Wendy and Lucy. Like, as much as I was so pumped to see First Cow, I did think, like, it, it doesn't have a performance at the core that's like Michelle Williams' performance. Yeah, and I, I think I, I think the two male leads in First Cow are fantastic. Great, yeah. But, like, they're very restrained, and they're very successful in being restrained. Yeah. And there's something about when, when Michelle Williams is is doing nothing that's compelling. You know, I mean, she's a movie star, right? I mean, even when she's doing nothing, you can't take your eyes off her. And she's just like expressing so much emotion through her physicality and through her eyes. And it's very, very compelling to look Mm -hmm. at in a way that I didn't necessarily find the actors in first cow as compelling, even though they are doing a great job and, and I'm, it's a perfect, but it's a perfectly put together film, but it just wasn't, I didn't feel as engaged with it as I felt with Wendy and Lucy. There's uh, definitely more of a, an emotional core, especially with a beautiful little girl such as Lucy, uh, at, at coming at you. But yeah, uh, there's a very soulful performance from John Majero and Ryan Lee. Uh, but it doesn't lend itself to a creative, uh, nuanced performance as much, but you know it's uh, it's still both perfect for what the movie calls for. Kelly knows what she's doing. Kelly uh, Reichard, who we just talked about for over an hour here, I could yeah. go longer on. Very glad we got to talk about her, and both agree that she makes good movies. Actually, best well, that's the show for this week, guys. Yeah, Chrissy finally. That's got to the see actually best choice movies. Yeah, yeah I mean, got to see Kelly we Reichard. did it. You should check all the other ones out, I'm, even though they're off criteria. I should. You know, I'm sure I'll get to them eventually, Caleb. Like, I'll just, 
Uh, they're on, you know, they're on my list, man. I'm gonna check them out, definitely. Good, man. Good. Good stuff. Goodbye. This is Wendy and Lucy. Okay, let me take. In a world with Wendy's and Lucy. Remember, in a world, we should do that movie.